0: So when embarking on a series of podcasts about youth culture, youth marketing, things that really matter to young people, I don't think we've really paid enough attention to the environment. So what I thought we'd do is I thought we'd speak to the founder and director of Plastic Oceans UK. Her name is Jo Ruxton and she, has created a documentary that topped the charts on iTunes, topped the charts on Netflix, called A Plastic Ocean. And watch it, if you want, straight after this podcast, watch it. It's a revelation. And what she's now done is using the power of film and the power of that documentary, she's looking to create an organisation that educates audiences of all ages on how to be more environmentally sound, how to be more... Ocean literate. So, have a listen to this week's Rocket Fuel guest, Joe Ruxton. So, first thing to say is Joe Ruxton, founder and director at Plastic Oceans UK, thank you very much for being a guest on this week's Rocket Fuel. It's my pleasure. So, Joe, we're gonna, as ever, split this chat into three different sections. And the first section is very much about you. Um, I'd really love to get a little bit of a snapshot in terms of your professional and personal journey. Um, Give give, give us a flavour. How have you ended up at Plastic Oceans UK?
1: I was based in Hong Kong for 14 years. That's where I raised my family and I worked for WWF and I started their marine programme. Uh, which was interesting because at the time there was no protection for anything below the high water mark. And I was diving every weekend and uh, out with dolphins and looking at the corals and couldn't understand why there was nothing in the media about this. Local teachers didn't talk about it. And we were in the process of building. At the time, it was the biggest engineering project on the planet, which was Hong Kong's new airport, which was being reclaimed from the sea. Uh, to create a a six kilometre platform for the runway. And that was really putting my heart into conservation. It's something I've always been concerned about, um, the ocean. Um, Having lived on seven different islands in five different countries, it's always been a a part of my life. Um, When I left Hong Kong, I then went to work at the BBC Natural History Unit, and I was um started work on the first blue planet series. Oh wow, um, okay. That was back in 97. Did 5 years on that and then um was there for a total of 12 years mostly doing underwater documentaries. And because it's it's in it's in the heart of me, I always wanted to get a conservation story in but was constantly being told people aren't interested, people just want to be entertained. Um, and I felt that that was wrong. I thought, how, how, you know, have to give people a chance. And if they don't know about something, how could they care about it? And also, if watching our documentaries, they would perceive the oceans to be full of life, very clean, fish everywhere, everything in balance. And that wasn't the case. So I felt that we had a duty to tell the right story. And I, I took the idea to the BBC. I, I talked about every time I had a... a a a film going through the edit. I always wanted something in there and it tended to be taken out at the last minute if I had put a conservation message in. And then I took my idea to the BBC... And um, they basically said there'd be no interest and they weren't going to commission it. And I decided to do it myself. Oh, wow. So let's jump back to when you were at the BBC. So you
0: were when you were creating Blue Planet and similar documentaries when you were on that production.
1: Yes. Don't don't make it sound as if I created it. I was very much a a cog in a very large wheel.
0: (laughs) Okay, so when you were part of the team that were creating Blue Planet and it was your thought that a conservation message should be seen by the great British public, and the- I
1: wanted that to happen. But when I first was there, um, it wasn't just me, but our series producer Alistair Fothergill wanted us to have a six-part series looking at the other side of this and talk to me about it because I'd just come from sort of the you know the coal face in that area, and uh, it was going to go out at the same time on BBC Two, but. Um, Blue Planet was co-funded by Discovery and the answer from Discovery was no we don't have funding for that and anyway Americans aren't interested in conservation. Well if you say that to the Americans I know they get very upset. Absolutely. Um, And how can they be interested if if they don't know but we didn't um, have the money to do that and we ended up doing just one film which was called Deep Trouble which went out on BBC Two but was not even in the box set and I think it should have been on BBC One. Yeah, And Alistair said to me, you know, if we, if we were to look at all the issues, what do you think is the most important one? And at the time, I thought fishing, because we could have, well, we did cover overfishing, illegal fishing, bycatch, you know, all of the issues that are putting such pressure on fisheries and continue to do so. So we did have that one film that came out, um, but it wasn't given much airtime. And as I said, it wasn't in the box set. So... Um, it it And it sort of continued that way. Um, you know, some of us recognised it, but the people who were um, holding the purse strings didn't think that it was something the audience wanted. But l- look at the difference now. I mean, certainly with Blue Planet 2, I did talk to my ex-colleagues about plastic and, you know, saying, look, I'm very happy to help because I've, I've been out to all these places and I've seen it and talk about solutions too. And uh, it was like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. And it wasn't until actually... Um, when our film came out, um, Sir David Attenborough had gone to see the rough cut of the Blue Planet 2 environmental film.
0: Yeah. And okay. he said
1: to them, why aren't you covering plastics? Haven't you seen Joe Ruxton's film? And then as a result of that, they decided to include that sequence about the plastic and... Uh, you know that that was a huge catalyst to get the message out and and also it made the BBC realize actually people really do care they do want more of this and there's uh, a lot more um direction now for having environmental films i think it it's it's starting to come into vogue you know we're finally giving people the the credit for wanting to know what's happening to the planet and and i think it's um you know long, long overdue, overdue. <laughs> yeah
0: um joe when you were at WWF when you were making TV for the BBC what was your ambition what did you want to do was it was it create TV content was it raise awareness of the issues I I suppose in many ways with Plastic Oceans you've reached the brilliant combination of the two but what was the ambition what was the dream
1: I wanted to be able to make a difference Um, I enjoyed I thoroughly enjoyed the work we were doing at the BBC I mean I had some incredible experiences that, that money can't buy. Um, you know, the access that we had, the places we went to was just phenomenal. But I think when it's, when it's sort of in your makeup that you want to do something, you know, it's so easy to sit back and let others deal with it and hope that they will. But I'm not the sort of person that can sit back if I feel there's something that I could influence or help to make changes, even if it's just pointing the right people in the right direction. I mean, when I made the film, you know, or came up with the idea, I never thought that I would be able to solve it. But what I did know was that if we could get enough interest and enough awareness and eyeballs on it, then the really clever people would come to the table and come up with solutions and ways to make this point to the right people the policy makers and so on so it was never something that i expected to be able to solve and it certainly hasn't been me that's done that it's 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 the awareness that's created this wave of difference and concern and and um you know but things are happening which is fantastic how many are on the team now at plastic oceans now um we have Eight, soon to be nine.
0: Wow. And is there, a, is there a common trait in their personality? What do you look for when you're trying to grow the team?
1: We're all lovely. Let's <laughs> just get that established. That's a good um, start. It's, it's a genuine concern for the issue. When, when we started, um, everyone was volunteering. And, um, and, and people that continue to want to volunteer for nothing back, that proves their worth. So um that side of it was one thing but now because we are a, a, you know a properly established organization then obviously we're people are working for NGO salaries mm. and um it, it it's it's easy when you talk to people you you work out how much they already know about the subject um but there's a genuine determination to help make a difference because of what we're doing it's not just a job, I would say to everyone on our team, is genuinely concerned about the environment and how they might be able to help. And what would you say
0: you're known for, whether it's by your team as a, as a manager, as a boss, or whether it's by the wider world?
1: Goodness, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to... I guess I'd like to think I'm known for somebody who's a passionate... Um, marine conservation person I don't know what the what the right word is but uh, I, I have a genuine concern for the oceans I'm I i I'm not the sort of person that sits back or takes no for an answer I mean one of the things that I remember when I started with WWF so many people said to me you know you, you'll never get marine parks set up in Hong Kong not with the, the fishermen you know this is this is their backyard and, and you can't separate areas out but actually when the fishermen you know when you do get a chance to sit and discuss it with them and, and you get the legislation through and they see it working you know that they become your your best allies because they realize that if they keep taking it they won't have as much and what you're trying to do is preserve their livelihoods by making the 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 nursery areas and 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 the the areas that are most healthy make those the most prolific ones that they can fish the borders of and get a much better catch than they used to get within the area that you know that they just continued to take and take and take without giving it a chance to recover okay. so i i think I, I remember also when i started on our film meeting somebody who was a documentary feature maker and um him him saying to me well, you'll never manage to raise anything more than about £600,000 for this film. Well, by then, our budget was getting closer to £3 million. And um, I thought, well, well, I might. <laughs> and actually, the, the, the first amount that I did manage to um, uh, interest sponsors in was that they came back with a number for me, which was €900,000. So I thought, well, OK, if, if I can do that, then, you know, this isn't going to be an impossible task. So um, I don't like to take no for an answer. I don't like being told what I can't do.
0: So I'm still here with Joe Ruxton from Plastic Oceans UK. And this is the part of the conversation where I want to talk more about the work that Joe does. Joe... Bring to life the scope of your role. What's what's a typical year? What's a typical month? What what are Plastic Oceans UK doing?
1: <laughs> you've, you've got the wrong person, actually, um, because I don't have a typical day, a typical role or anything. Um, as we're expanding, we have fantastic people with specific expertise, whether it's to do with youth engagement or social media, um, involving uh corporates and getting our point across and helping with fundraising um over the years i've been involved in every aspect <laughs> of this from creating or helping to create our education materials to bringing funders in i think the the probably my my best um the, the best answer is that i'm the person that goes out and gunners the interest i, I do the public speaking. Um, so I, I, I'd i like to think that I engage people and get them interested in what we're doing. And certainly there has been, well, I don't know how many how many talks to, um, you know, around the world that I've been doing. I've, I've spoken in parliaments, including the UK Parliament, twice. Um, I, I do Q&As after film screenings. I talk in schools. The main reason I'm going to Dubai is to speak to the... Um, Dubai Expo Twenty Twenty Sustainability yep. Team, um, and so it's. I, I think probably it's it's engaging people and bringing them forward. I'm I, I'm good at sort of starting a fire when it comes to the business end of it. Um, that's where I I really need help. You surround yourself I'm, with
0: the top team. So yeah, bring to life the 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 things that Plastic Oceans have achieved because. There's Obviously, obviously there's the films, there's the public speaking, you're about to create a new film based in Mozambique.
1: No, it's not based in Mozambique, that's just the first shoot.
0: Oh, the first shoot, I see, Mm. there we are. So, why don't you tell us about the films that you've created so far?
1: Well, we've only done the one main one. Um, The reason we started Plastic Oceans was um, because I thought that it would be a lot easier to raise funds if we had a charity... But then as the research started coming to the fore, um, I realised that this was a much bigger issue. When I started, I thought that it was just about plastic being an eyesore and how animals in the ocean were ingesting it and getting entangled in it. Um, But it wasn't until I started to learn about it. And it was actually on the trip that I went on to the middle of the Pacific Ocean, the so-called Pacific Garbage Patch, um, with a bunch of scientists that I learned about the chemicals that leach from and are attracted to plastic in the ocean and how these are getting into the food chain. I was about to say, so one predators. of the key
0: things, because when I saw <clears throat> some of the film that you have created was that point about how the, um, the plastic, if it's in the dolphins' food chain, then it's in our food chain as well. And in well, that, that yes. presents a whole new raft of
1: issues. It does. And when I looked specifically at those chemicals and learnt more about it, um, the effects that, that those chemicals have been linked with include cancer, auto, autoimmune conditions, environmental disruption, so in, infertility, um, behavioural and cognitive disorders are all associated with these same chemicals. So I wanted to get the point across that, look, this isn't just about a pretty ocean this is something that affects all of us and you know whilst we have a choice whether or not to eat fish about 20 percent of the planet relies on it for their main source of protein yeah so it it to me it, it sort of put it up to another level you might you might not care about the ocean you should actually because the ocean provides more than half the oxygen you breathe even if you live in middle of, um, I don't know, Alice Springs or Midwest America, you still can't breathe without the ocean. Right. Um, But, you know, a lot of people don't seem to understand why it's so important. But everyone cares about their own health and that of their children. So that lifted it to another level. So I wanted the film to have a legacy rather than go and see it and then talk about it for a bit and then on to the next. And that legacy is exactly what Plastic Oceans UK is doing now with educational programs and and all the work that we're doing in awareness and science and getting the issue across and getting it scientifically accurate because everything we do is evidence-based. And what's, two
0: questions I suppose, how do you measure success? And I know that's a really tough one to do. And where does the, almost the amplification of the film start? Is it in schools? Is it with corporate sponsors? Yeah, let, let's tackle the success question first. When you created the film, were there metrics of the number of people you wanted to see it? Did you, did, did you no. see it?
1: No, it was very much flying by the seat of one's pants, actually. Ah. Um, I've This is the first feature film I've done. Um, BBC, you didn't have to think about that. You were given a budget. You try and stick to it. They handled distribution. Yep. I didn't even think about distribution at the beginning. Well, I did, but... It wasn't something that I had a plan for. Sure. Um, what, what was very lucky was that the film managed to get onto Netflix, iTunes, Amazon. And although we don't get the audience viewing figures for Netflix, what we do know is that it was their number one documentary for a while. Yeah. And it was also number one on iTunes. Um, and we now know that the film's been shown in more than 70 countries. And then there's also been the cinema screenings. It was, it was designed, uh, it was shot for cinema, but distribution, cinematic distribution has been more at specific events where people have been uh, invited along rather than cinema chains showing it as happens with others. It, it has been a real surprise how the interest that we've had because most cinematic films have a shelf life of about four months, if yeah. that. And yet we're still getting invited for public screenings three years later, so it's really been um, something that people have felt very strongly about. And I think, unlike other environmental uh, environmental issues that you can sometimes feel overwhelmed with, the plastic one is a very easy concept. You know, we we've been believing for the past sixty years that plastics disposable. We haven't thought about it. Yeah, have a disposable this, have a disposable that. You use it once, you throw it away. Nobody actually questioned the fact that plastic was designed not to be disposable. It was designed to be exactly the opposite, not to decompose. Yep. It doesn't break down like other things do in nature. Plastic defies nature. And yet we've continued to make single use items out of it. And as soon as you get that in your head, it's so easy to make changes. It's like, what well, we've been conned all these years. <laughs> you know, we can't keep doing this. Joe, I know it's in your background as a filmmaker,
0: but was there any thought given? I know, I know, the movie's still getting, sh- uh, the film's getting shown three years later in cinema. Mm. Was there a, if, if you were to meet, so up uh, marketing is my background, if you like, and if you were to meet a marketeer, they might say you shouldn't make one long film; you should make a load of short films for social media.
1: Oh, that's been discussed as well, and uh, and I'm sure it has
0: been. But was there yes. anything in the? I suppose I've not been lucky enough to sit in the cinema, but I can imagine... Well, it's on Netflix. You uh, can watch oh, it. Oh, I've watched it on Netflix. That's exactly oh, right. where I saw it. But what I'm mm. wondering is the power of seeing some of the images in the film, in the cinema. Oh, and, and yes, of course, on a proper sized TV. I, they're just incredibly impactful. I'm oh, just... I
1: totally agree with you. And that was originally my plan. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, because of the way the rights were handled, and this is a a, a very sorry lesson that I learnt, I early on gave the rights away. Yeah. Um, and regret that deeply, um, because I don't have access to the footage as as much as I would like, and it's it's I have to keep getting permission for every single thing that I do. Um, however, we've just created three new films using it and new footage. Um, that will be part of our education programme and will be available um, for people to see. Um, and certainly with the next one, that is the plan. And in fact, I want each sequence to be able to be used as a, as a, um, a standalone um, film, um, because I think those are so useful and certainly bits from it that we can even put out as 30-second pieces on social media. Yeah. I will certainly make that happen. Okay. And and whilst we were struggling to make to get the film finished, because... It, it is very hard to raise funds for a film, particularly as when I decided to do it, the world plunged into global recession. <laughs> yeah. And the reason it took eight years to make it was trying to get the funding um, at the final stages because we'd got all the footage, but we didn't have enough for um, post-production and for distribution. And it's, it's hard to raise that when you show people rough cut footage if they're not in the business. Sure. It does look awful. And it's kind of, you've had four years and this is what you've got. You know, nobody can see the potential unless they're in, in the filmmaking business or they've got a very good imagination. So this time, although I'm doing a very quick shoot in Mozambique because it's got to fit in with certain timings, I'll, I'll not continue with the film until I have all the funding pledged up front yeah. because I don't want to get into that situation again. But when we were in it, we, we were actually considering, okay, shall we forget the long film and put it out as lots of... shorter ones. I'm glad we didn't because of its success story. But it certainly was a consideration.
0: I agree. I think seeing the full thing in combination with shorter edits, perhaps. But the full film is wonderful. I mean, I I watched it over the weekend on Netflix and it really stayed with me. you, you mentioned that not everybody could see the potential from the rough cuts, Joe. Mm. Who did? Who were the heroes? Who were the, who were the ones <laughs> in your conversations that came along and recognised exactly what you're doing and exactly where you wanted to go?
1: Oh, well, I guess those of us actually in the production team. But we're, we weren't the ones with the money. And that it, it, it's hard to influence people who are able to help with money because... All they could see was rough cut footage. In fact, it was described to me once as if you if you make a roast chicken and you take it out of the oven thirty minutes too soon, yeah, um, not only will it look and smell disgusting, it could make make people sick. <laughs> but give it that final thirty, and you've got something gorgeous. And that's um, that's a bit what it's like with filmmaking. It's uh, you've got to you've got to wait till it's ready before you know, people see it if you want
0: to influence them. That, that's a great analogy, Joe and that's mm. one that will definitely stay with me. On the corporate sponsors, um, I, I, I imagine it was tough. I imagine what was that journey like? And more broadly, how important a process is it in when addressing environmental issues and environmental concerns that we do as a wider society have the backing of big corporate partners?
1: Well, corporate ones are a difficult one. And we didn't have that. Um, apart from the Green Dot um, mm. recycling in Germany, who were big sponsors. But normally, when corporates want to want to um, invest in a film, it's that it's an investment. I wanted people who were philanthropists, people who had the money and wanted to help the planet because they believed in it and believed in what you were doing. And I'll I'll be saying that for my second film as well. I I don't want, for a start, I don't want the stress of thinking, oh, my goodness, what if it goes wrong? And, I mean, that that, that kind of thing is, is worrying enough with sponsors, but if you know other people want to make money out of it, yeah. um, it's difficult. But the other thing is, if, if the second film is successful, I would like Plastic Oceans UK's work to be the beneficiaries from it so that we can continue doing what we want to do and focusing on wider issues and bringing people in because you know, the planet is, is in a pretty critical situation right now, and we need more people to understand particularly how important the oceans are. You know, it, it, it's our life support system, and we can't afford for the oceans to suffer because anything that breathes the air for a start is going to be compromised, to to, to say the least. So with the
0: the the first film that people can see in on the channels that you've mentioned mm. how will the next film differ to that
1: first film what in the way they, they can see it
0: in uh, in either the way they can see it or in the way that it's constructed or in the subject matter that you're going to take it, on
1: it's for. a different story I, I don't want to give too much away at the moment That's because fine. i've had ideas taken before when uh, you know and the, and then other people make it before you do fine um, it's not about plastic, it is about the oceans, it's, uh, it looks at our connection with the oceans, um, it has a, a very strong purpose, um, but I what concerns me at the moment is that with all the environmental issues we have, that people are either getting jaded or overwhelmed with all the environmental crises that we have, and I think we're in danger that people will switch off because it just becomes too much to think about. And to an extent, I feel that way about ocean acidification because we are absolutely on a path to that becoming a serious issue in the oceans. And I don't know what to do about it. I, I, I have a hybrid car. Um, you know, I, I walk when I can, but I, I have rheumatoid arthritis, so I'm, I'm not as fit as I'd like to be. Um, and, and I probably use transport more than others. Plus, if I'm filming, I need to be on location, so airplanes are involved. Mm. Um I find it quite overwhelming to th- consider my carbon footprint, and and what that might be doing. Um, I'd like to think that I I, um, I mitigate with with the work that I do. Of course. Um, but, I was um, I was really I was so te- sorry. I've completely forgotten what the original question. No, was. No, you're fine.
0: Don't worry. Because actually, you've stumbled upon actually where almost the direction I was keen to go in, which was this one of being overwhelmed. Yes. And, oh yes. Okay. And, so and your point what I want about this about the. Film to- the the entire globe being in a critical state.
1: Yes, absolutely. At at
0: the end of every month, when I was in my early 20s, I donated to about three or four different charities, okay? and Mm -hmm. But I knew some months the direct debits would bounce and therefore I'd get a nasty fine from my bank. So some months I had to weigh up which charity was more important than the other ones. And it was Mm. a really, really tough role of a tough choice to make. I, I just wonder whether people are, however subconsciously, to your point, overwhelmed. I think lots of the, the kind of truths at the heart of being better for the planet there are kind of parallels, but I just wanted to explore that point a bit of of people being overwhelmed with multiple messages from multiple, all really good causes. But yes. how do they cope? How do they know what to well, do? Well, I,
1: I think that a lot of the films that have been made about plastic have been very hard-hitting and very sad. And what leave you just feeling empty and... Very, very, it's a very doom and gloom thing. And I think the sort of people that will watch those are the people that already know and care about things. What we wanted to do was to reach a wider audience. So I knew that we had to have entertainment in there so that people could be entertained whilst they were being educated. But we had to end with a very positive note. People have to understand they can do things. What I want to do with the next film. Is there's going to be an awful lot more wonder in this film, as in new exciting and fun elements that people have never even thought about. I want people to understand the character of the ocean so that they naturally start to care about it because there's going to be some facts in there that they've never even dreamed of. But that there will be this this message in it, but it's a much gentler ask. It's um it makes it'll make people realise, gosh. I didn't know that, I really want to know more, I really want to do what I can. And I do think that whilst scientists and NGOs will push and lobby government over um, campaigns that they have, and I know that a lot of scientists have been working in plastics for many years, nobody was hearing about it because the only people that do hear about it are those who are looking into it. The power I think from a film is that you can get the general public involved and then you get this groundswell of interest and lobbying and people making behavioral changes because they've learned about it from something that entertained them and that's my goal for the next film but it's not going to be it's not going to be as punch in the stomach okay. you know you can't really watch our film without changing what you think <laughs> but without a, a certain gosh if we don't do this you know this is going to get so much worse and we've been shown what it's like in other places and we could, that could be our future if we're not careful. This is, I hope, um, a much more uplifting film. Okay. But yes, it will have a strong message in it too.
0: And final question in this section, Joe, is we're looking... At this film I, I watched with my um, beautiful wife on, on TV and I suppose where were you aiming this film at and where will you aim the next work at? Is, is it important to get to the the powers that be, to use that hackneyed phrase, or do you think it's important that everyday people, everybody, has enough ammunition to speak, speak knowledgeably and understand, yeah, where we are with these issues?
1: I think that people have to be plastic intelligent And that's a big factor of our work in plastic oceans and the new programs that we're working on now. I think when people understand an issue, then they can become part of the solution, but they'll never do that if they don't understand the basics of it. I mean, the very fact, many people don't even realize plastic is made from oil. And people think that, oh, this plastic says it's degradable, therefore it's fine to throw it away. Anything will degrade a plastic bag will degrade. It doesn't mean to say it's not gonna do an awful lot of damage to the environment. So people need to understand and also see through a lot of the greenwashing washing um, that's happening now. I mean, I, I remember seeing somebody had told me that the plastic bottle they were using was biodegradable and I looked into it and actually what it was made was, made from was plastic that was held together with plant material. So yes, if it ended up in the environment, the plant would break down naturally but actually, it would be much worse because you would get, get tiny flakes of plastic, which could blow in the wind and get into water courses and get into the environment much more easily than if it had been a normal plastic bottle. Um, so it, it's to make people understand plastic and, uh, you know, have this intelligence about it. And then they can make their own choices with this one. I think it's much more about I think what we might call ocean literate, that people understand what the ocean does for us and why it's so important that we give it a chance to do that. Because when you think about biology at school, I mean, I was always interested in the ocean with my hobbies and swimming and diving and everything else, but we weren't taught about the ocean in normal biology. No. We were told, for example, that the forests were the lungs of the planet. Well, certainly they they help contribute as lungs of the planet, but it's the oceans that provide more than half the oxygen we breathe, and absorb most of the carbon dioxide we produce. Yeah, and 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 I didn't know that at school. You know, I, I decided to study um, the marine environment at university, and that's where I learned a lot. And I've also learned a lot more in the work that I've done. But why isn't this part of part of our normal education? So, so I want to make a film that's really interesting that will make teachers want to use it, want to use elements of it. You know, that yes, they can they can plug in with the education work that we're doing, but I want to take it a step further than just plastic to actually look at the whole thing and why it's it's so vital that we realise this connection we have and what it does for us.
0: I love that phrase you used about people becoming ocean literate. I think that's mm. a really—I
1: didn't come up with that. There is the ocean literacy is a thing.
0: Ah, there we are. Well, it's—it's mm. it's a great turn of phrase, and uh, yeah, it's one I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to proliferating myself. So yeah, it's good. a good idea. Mm. So the other phrase, as well as ocean literate that you used, Joe, was plastic intelligence. Mm. Have you got a, a, a an almost a key takeaway for the audience listening around that?
1: Well, there's one that springs to mind, and that is how many people who use, for example, plastic water bottles, etc., and say, oh, it's okay because I recycle it. And there seems to be this perception that recycling means closed loop, that this will continue to circuit around and we don't have to worry how much plastic we use because it will come back. I think what so many people don't realise is that you cannot keep recycling plastic. If you have a can, a drinks can, the aluminium can continue to be recycled ad infinitum. It just, it doesn't lose any quality. Plastic does with each time, and even the best recycling for a plastic bottle, it can probably be done about 10 times. And then it'll lose all of the properties that give it its its, idea, its flexibility, its clarity, whatever it is. Plastic will eventually become hard, mixed, black plastic that nobody wants. And despite the amount of recycling we have, we are still producing more and more plastic for single use. And that is an exponential curve. So we have to stop thinking that recycling is the answer for plastic. We cannot recycle our way out of this
0: so rupert uh produces talking to me and his point was so what happens after 10 times then that's when it
1: gets done oh, yes it, it, it'll go to to um landfill or it'll be burnt um it, it's 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 not the answer um well afterwards yes that, that when they don't want it anymore that's when it tends to go to landfill or it'll go to an incinerator um, there are new solutions for um plastic um, which can turn it back into oil, in particular, a process by Mura um, Energy, uh, Armstrong Energy, uh, under Mura technology, which is catalytic hydrothermal reaction. And that uses a steam method to turn plastic into oil. Um, two things about this. One is this tech- uh, turning plastic into oil isn't new technology, but there are a lot of emissions in the process. And that, to me, is a problem. Um, with this one, the emissions are virtually zero. Now, whilst we are continuing to run our trucks on diesel and our ships and, and you know, non-hybrid cars and hybrid cars actually as well, while we're still using oil, um, my uh, perception is that we should be using up the plastic waste that we've got stop polluting the planet. And while we're in the process of looking for brand new clean technology that doesn't rely on fossil fuels, why don't we clean up the mess that we've been making in the past 60 years? So that is... um that, that to me gives me a lot of hope. But getting governments on board with new technology isn't straightforward.
0: Sure. Yeah, it can take decades. Mm-hmm. Joe, can I ask another question just whilst mm-hmm. we're talking about your work? Um, yes. It seems silly to look at your work in isolation, that point that you and I were talking about earlier about being overwhelmed with the number of um, environmental issues and, and, and g- global climate crisis Where do you, when you see Greta Thunberg, when you see Extinction Rebellion, do you think good news, it's other people, or do you think that's going to confuse audiences? Or how do you think your work and the work that Plastic Oceans are doing lives as part of a wider, more complex set of environmental messaging?
1: I think that plastic and certainly plastic production plays into the whole climate issue anyway uh because it is something that's being taken out of the ground and one of the uh, and and you know the whole process of of, of plastic involves emissions anyway um so I, I i i think that getting people's awareness of the planet and why we need to help it is is vitally important the, and the way this fits into it talking about the cat htr um solution as i was just now um that also means that if we're producing cleaner oil from our waste and it's cleaner because plastic has already been refined twice but it also means there's going to be no consideration for fracking or for drilling in pristine environments around the world for more oil because we've got it all sitting there we just need to process it
0: So, last section, Joe. if you're happy, probably Mm. will be the shortest section. It's what we call our rocket fuel, and it's practical advice for our audience about how best to engage younger audiences. Um, So, yeah, let's go straight into
1: it. Okay. Well, Plastic Oceans UK has a fantastic website, which is simply PlasticOceans.uk. There's lots of information on there, and... Practical things that people can do. Uh, We have fact sheets that are downloadable. If there are teachers listening, we have some incredible education materials that are free to download. And these include clips from the film, PowerPoints, anything that a teacher would want to save them that slog on a Sunday afternoon when they're doing their lesson plans. It's all done for you. Um, so? That's going to be music to the ears of
0: a number a number of people listening. Uh, our audience are w- made up of people from marketing, media, and indeed anybody that wants to talk to younger audiences.
1: Well, absolutely. There's so much there, and there's going to be an awful lot more. We're about to release a whole load um, of new education materials, which I think are going to be fantastic for youth engagement. So certainly do that. But the other thing is just understand and keep it in your mind the plastic was designed not to be disposable. And once you do that, it's so easy to think about alternatives. They're obvious. Instead of buying butter that's in a plastic butter dish that lasts as long as your butter does, then instead of doing that, you buy it wrapped in paper. Yeah. Why have a new butter dish every time you need it? Yeah. Completely. I think the, the plastic bottles and the shopping bags and the straws, everybody's, everyone's pretty much across now. But think also about soap. You don't need liquid soap in a plastic bottle that runs out. No. You just buy a bar of soap wrapped in paper. I've also rediscovered the joy of storing it in your clothes or in your suitcase if you're going somewhere. And then everything smells lovely as well. Mm. Um, um, yeah,
0: Joe. more generally... What Hmm. do you think this journey has taught you about young
1: audiences? What do you know about younger people? Uh, It's an interesting one, actually, because when I was with WWF in Hong Kong, we were doing work with schools, um, but I always felt that, yes, we needed to teach the young people, but we didn't have the time to wait for them to grow up and be in positions of power where they could change policy and make a real difference I absolutely don't agree with that anymore. The power of young people is incredible. And I think one of the things that stands out in my mind, are that I could give you so many examples, but when I was making the film and was trying to raise funds, I was in Abu Dhabi and I'd been asked to give a talk at a school there. And there were about 60 children and they were age five and six. And when I got to the school, it was midday, it was 48 degrees outside, very sunny, and we were in a gymnasium that had windows all around it, and to to show the slides that I had, they'd given me a little whiteboard. So I had 60 very young children in front of me, this little whiteboard that when I projected onto it, it either reflected so much or everything they were looking at was almost black. So I was trying to describe what they were seeing, thinking this is completely hopeless. How on earth can these poor little kids be interested in what I'm trying to show them here? But then the following day, I'd gone down to Dubai and I was talking in a cinema to grown-ups, and I saw a little child sitting in the middle of the audience. And obviously, I show different slides and, and different things um, to different age groups. And I was going to show something which I wouldn't know, normally show young kids, which was a the bird being cut open yeah. with all the plastic inside. And I said to I could see the mother with her, and I said, "You might want to hide her eyes for this bit." And she came up to me afterwards, and she said. My little girl was in the class that you spoke to yesterday in Abu Dhabi, and she insisted I came down to listen to you. Wow. So, and that was a five-year-old. Yeah. So, and the other one was um, a talk, an assembly that I gave with another organisation. We did a joint assembly, which was just a 20-minute thing in a primary school. And the catering manager came up afterwards and said, look, I'm not going to stop selling bottled water in the school because it brings in a profit of more than £10,000 a year, and I need that. And it's very hard... To argue against somebody like that who is trying to run things properly and knows what you needed, and I was about to launch into the price that you put on the oceans, but I just thought it, it's you know I I don't know this is the the right person to be to be mm. doing that to because she's got her priorities. However, um, the teacher contacted us the following term and said that since that assembly, not one child had bought the bottled water. Wow. So that is a, a you know a child saying, well, you might think it's okay, but we don't. And then, and, and and obviously they are fantastic ambassadors with their parents, their brothers and sisters, the rest of the family, you know, the peer groups. They can be so powerful. Incred- and of course, Greta has proven that, you know, many times In- over. Incredibly
0: powerful. I mean, my, you know, and I know this is sometimes a little bit silly to speak about summer one, but my seven-year-old son still now tidies up on every beach he goes to and takes, um, he takes... Almost the most pride out of anything he's ever got or won or been given in his blue Peter Green badge. Um, oh, bless him that's which, fantastic. Which he got for saying that I clean up on every beach I go to. So mm. yeah, you're right. They they do make a stand, particularly younger children.
1: Yeah, you must be very proud of him. Yeah,
0: indeed. Um, mm. A final question in terms of younger audiences: How do you think their behaviour has changed? And how do you think it will go on to change? As far as our work goes. As, as far as your work goes, or more generally?
1: Well, I think that the children are on board with this and have been way ahead of the adults. When I, I mean, I started working on this issue 11 years ago. And going into schools, I was giving them new information, I was telling them stuff they hadn't heard before. They were always very interested um and and motivated um and you know it was it was easy to talk to them about it but now when i go into schools there are posters all about plastic there are recycling bins everywhere and sorting bins they they there's artwork they know so much already you know you, you ask a question and all these hands go up whereas before nobody would know and you'd give them the answer i think children are very very much across this issue Way ahead of 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 those people who really should be doing something about it, and and the parents are saying, Oh, she won't let me do this. Won't let me buy a plastic bottle." Got really cross when I forgot my shopping bag the other day. You know, it's it's children are we we need to give them an awful lot of credit because they are very powerful. And the other thing that seems to have really got home to them is this is the planet they're inheriting. Yeah, you know we, we we are, and I hate to say this, that we're the generation that destroyed it because. You know, we didn't mean to. We just did as we were told and bought what was there. We didn't have the information to rely on. Now we do. So there's no excuse anymore. Final
0: question, Joe, for our hmm. rocket fuel section is have you got one takeaway for everyone listening? What's the one thing that you think people should take from our conversation and indeed your broader experience?
1: I've got two, actually. That's fine. (laughs) One I've mentioned, and that is, we have to understand that plastic was designed to defy nature. And the very idea of using it once and throwing it away is damaging our planet severely. And I've witnessed this around the world, in the centres of three oceans. This is something we all have to address. That's the one. Yeah. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the other one is... um, And I can't do this succinctly. That's fine. But during the film, we went to islands where the communities are drowning under plastic. Everything they import is wrapped in plastic. Mm. They literally have nowhere to put it. They've poisoned their own freshwater systems. They're literally living in what would look to you and I as if it was a landfill site. Standing there on those islands with those lovely people... I just had a snippet of the future of the entire landmass of this planet. If we don't get this addiction to single-use plastic under control now, then that could well be the future for all of us. And that's without even considering what it's doing to the ocean. I would also like, if it's all right, and I
0: never normally do this, Joe, um, mm. which is to give my own kind of rallying cry, and that is just to say to everybody, particularly if it you're right, there are some harrowing scenes, but I think it's nothing that seven year olds can't handle. I would No, de- we've
1: we've had younger kids see you actually. Go.
0: So I would ask everybody either buy it on iTunes or go to Netflix. The film mm. is a Plastic Ocean. The organization is Plastic Oceans
1: UK. Yes, make sure that um, if you search you go to plasticOceans dot UK otherwise it, it goes to the distribution the original distribution website right um, so so if, you, if you're wanting to know what we're doing as the people who made the film and 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 are doing all the work in education now then uk and it has to be typed in and joe
0: is there anywhere else where people can find out about you or about the organization are you were across social media
1: um, I am. I'm on um I'm not very good at Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but um I, I, I do Twitter. I I, I do tweet if, and certainly if you do a search for me you'll come up with various um talks that I've given. Um certainly on YouTube you'll you'll find an awful lot about that. Brilliant. Um but Plastic Oceans is on is on um Instagram, Twitter and um obviously Facebook. Great,
0: Joe. um I can't thank you enough for being this week's guest on uh, rocket fuel. Um as I say, I'd urge everybody to see the film, um and thank you very much indeed for your time.
1: It's a pleasure. thank you for doing this.
0: I told you Joe would be great, didn't I? That was Joe Ruxton. She's the founder and director at plastic oceans u k. Since we recorded that podcast, we've had a few conversations with Joe and people at Plastic Oceans UK. They're awesome to work with and they're about to embark on a really, really big programme, engaging schools and creating more content to make us all more ocean aware, ocean literate, if you like. We're taking a short break from Rocket Fuel. We're going to be off the air for about three weeks. But in the meantime, I'd urge you all to look at some of the previous interviews we've got. Um, have a look at some of those interviews and in the meantime be sure to share this series with anyone that you think would benefit from it give us a five-star review a positive rating always helps thanks for listening to rocket fuel and we'll see you in about three weeks this is a rocket audio
1: production